Welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us at the earlier time. This is uh, chapter two. We're going to do verse 50 to 53 today, hopefully. This is class 22. And we're on topic five, desireless actions lead to self-realization. These next four verses are I could say it's the really magnificent verses. If you understand these next four verses and you're able to put it into practice, you don't need to do anything else. Verse 50 to 53. What it teaches us is that with the practice of karma yoga, perform the right action, one can reach the goal of self-realization. And these four verses teaches us that. So let's start. Any questions before we begin? We're going to go straight into the verse 50 today. Any questions before we begin? Okay. So we'll begin with verse 50. Buddhi Yukto Jahatiha Ube Sukrata Duskrate Dasmad Yoga Yayuj Yasva Yoga Karma Sukoshalam Buddhi Yukto Jahatiha Ube Sukrata Duskrate Tasmad yoga yayuj yasva yoga karma sukoshalam. You should all be able to chant now since you've been practicing since Monday. I'll try and attempt to put the verse, uh, the um, put the verses on which uh, we're going to be covering. So you don't you don't have to practice too many. So this verse, what it's saying. Saying, united to knowledge, one sheds here both good and bad deeds. Therefore, devote yourself to yoga. Skill in action is yoga. United to knowledge, one sheds here both good and bad deeds. Therefore, devote yourself to yoga. Skill in action is yoga. So, what does this mean? It's it's not as complicated as it sounds. Only a human being, you already know, only a human being has a choice in action. And you have two choices in life. You can either take the right choice of action that takes you within to the self or the wrong choice that is merely satisfying your senses, meaning satisfying your worldly desires. 
Your five senses draws you to the world to fulfill your desires. It's saying this way of acting keeps you in the world. So how do you take the path to the self? We all know how to act towards in the world to fulfill our desires. But how do you take the path to the self? How do you do that? You want today to start going within. How would you start? What takes you back to the self? The knowledge, the thinking of the higher. Thinking of the higher, Benita. Reducing desires. Reducing desires, exactly. Reducing and then eliminating your vasanas, which we all know vasanas becomes thoughts, becomes desires, becomes action. That's the chronology. So if you reduce and eliminate your vasanas, you go within. Remember, God plus vasanas equals human being. So in order to eliminate, reduce your vasanas, your desires, the barrier which is holding you back to become what you really are, which is God, is saying we need to rise above good and bad activities. It's saying one sheds here both good and bad deeds. Rise above good and bad activities. What does that mean? What's good and bad activities? Thinking on the same line. What, are, what is that? Good and bad. Uh, yeah, Nilam. Um, anything good would be some anything that's working towards reducing your vasanas, and anything bad would be something that's working to increase your vasanas by the action. Very good. Yep, very good. So we all act on our vasanas. And this manifests as good desires and bad desires. Some of you have good desires, sometimes you have bad desires. These are your vasanas. So these then become good action and bad action. Yeah. The desire pops up to do good or the desire pops up to do bad. And you act on it, it becomes good actions and bad actions. Is everyone with me? Pratiban? Yeah. Good actions create further good vasanas. Bad actions create further bad vasanas. So when you act on these good and bad vasanas, desires, Actually, you're not reducing your desires, you're creating more. More good desires, more bad desires. Good actions create further good vasanas, bad actions creates further bad vasanas. So you're increasing those desires. Because those desires are in the world, those good and bad vasanas are in the world, it's holding you in the world. But when you seek the knowledge of the self, the knowledge we are studying, the Gita, it teaches us to act based on what we ought to do, on the vasanas that we have. 
And by acting in this way, you are no longer creating more vastness. If you just do what you ought to do, you don't create any new vastness. You go beyond desire-propelled actions, good or bad. It says you shed both good and bad deeds. Deeds means actions. You rise above vastness. And acting in this way, you eventually eliminate all your vastness. Does everyone understand? Is that clear? Any questions? So you have good and bad desires in the world. I won't go into what's good desires and bad desires. Any desire that gives you agitations is a bad desire. So it's different for different people. Bad desire could be different for you, Vanita, than Ravi. For Ravi, it's perfectly right to act on that desire. But for you, it's a bad desire because you have agitations. It's different for different people. But what we're saying is that it keeps you in the world and you create more vastness. The only way is to do what you ought to do. Your businessman, do business. Your teacher, teach. Your hairdresser, do whatever hairdressers do. I wouldn't know. <laughs> so just do what you ought to do. That way, you're reducing your desires. Krishna advises that this, acting in this way, is skill in action. Yoga. Remember, yoga means to reunite. And if practiced, it takes you to the self, keeps you away from the worldly entanglements. Therefore, there are two aspects of yoga. In verse, this, this verse 50 is linked to verse 48. In 48, it said, fix a goal to self-realization and work towards that goal. Remember, verse 48. Steadfast in yoga, perform actions, O Dhananjaya, renouncing attachment and being the same in success and failure, evenness is called yoga. So you're not agitated by success or failure. Mentally, you're calm. Fix your goal to self-realization. Work towards that goal. This gives you equanimity of the mind, calmness, not agitated about the past or future. You're not agitated about the fruits, the results. And here it says, act based on what you ought to do. This is skill in action. And if you base all your actions in this way, you'll eventually reach your goal. This combination in action is very rare in a human being. Any questions? So here is, is a blueprint to self-realization. Do what you ought to do, you reduce your vastness. Don't be agitated. Don't be involved with the results, the fruit. Be calm, no matter what. You're reducing your vastness. If 
you act in this way, you will eventually reach your goal. And this combination is very rare. If you think about it, there are two types of people in the world. Here in the West, we are all active. We're all successful. We all have most things that, that we want. Even if you're unemployed, the government gives you money to have what you need, the basics. But we're not content. We're not peaceful. We're not satisfied. We're agitated. Then you go to the East. We all from, most of us are from India. You go to the villages. Relatively, people are not so active. They're not so productive. They may even be poor, but they're peaceful. They're smiling all the time. They're content, happy. So where there is action here in the West and success, there isn't much peace. And where there is peace and contentment, there's no real drive for action or success. So these verses, what they're saying is, in the Gita, it gives the formula for the correct form of action, which will make you dynamic, productive, at the same time, happy and peaceful. If you act in these way, you'll be happy and peaceful and productive. And if you want, see, even in a material world, if you just act in this way, you'll be successful. Forget about self-realization. If you act in this way, mind is calm, not agitated, you're doing your action perfectly, the results will come, whatever the results you want. Be name, fame, whatever, money. But if you act in this way, in verse 40 and 50, and you want to reach that goal of self-realization, then you can as well. And this is a perfect action. Any questions? You have to study it a little bit to understand it and then try and set your actions based on that. It's not easy, but it takes time, but you have the formula. So remember, act on good desires, driving your actions, you develop good vasanas, good traits. Bad negative action desires develop bad vasanas. Action dedicated to reaching the self, you shed your vasanas. This is dexterity in action, skill in action. No desires of the world is desire for the self. Desires for self is no desires. Perfect action. Any questions? This is the depth of the Gita now we're doing in chapter two. After these next two, three verses, it changes. This is the depth of the crux of the knowledge. Ravi. The verse directs humanity to the path of yoga, the path that unites one to Atman the Supreme Self, humanity. Laden with desires, merely runs after the world seeking their fulfillment. 
in the process of satisfying them people acquire more and more desires because desire prompted actions generate further desires. Desires are what separate an individual from reality. Therefore, the path of desire motivated action takes one away from yoga. Thus, two separate paths confronts you all your life. The path of yoga taking you to the supreme self and the mundane path of sense gratification. You will have to make your choice. Human beings alone are endowed with this choice of action. All other creatures tread a preordained path. A tiger cannot eat vegetation even when meat is unavailable. A cow cannot take to meat eating even at the point of starvation. Therefore, with this wonder, wondrous gift of choosing your actions, Krishna advises the path of yoga. By choosing this path, you rise above the realm of good and bad deeds and gain knowledge of the self. Good and bad deeds produce good and bad fasteners, which are the inherent impressions constituting your individual personality. When good desires propel your actions, you acquire good fasteners. Likewise, when bad desires propel your actions, you acquire bad fasteners. But when you rise above the world of good and bad, that is, above desire-prompted activity and seek the supreme knowledge of self, you eradicate your vastness and merge with the self. That is skill in action, the technique that steers you clear of terrestrial entanglements and ushers you towards the transcendental. Verse 48 equanimity of mind is yoga. Here the verse says, skill in action is yoga. Therefore, yoga consists of two parts, skillful action and mental equanimity. A combination of these two is rare. On a careful study of this world, you will find two distinct types of people. One is active, productive, prosperous, but lacking peace of mind. The Western world abounds with such people. The other type leads relatively peaceful, <coughs> satisfied, contented lives, yet generally remains inactive, unproductive and poverty-stricken. Many such people populate the less developed countries, particularly in the villages. Thus, people all over the world are either active or peaceful rarely both. The Bhagavad Gita gives the blueprint of the yoga which will combine these two aspects of life, namely action and peace. It presents a technique by which you live a life of dynamic action and yet maintain perfect peace of mind. Thank you, Ravi. So if you act in this way, whatever the goal may be, you become successful while being peaceful and happy. Try it. Kevin. Um, I have a question. Um, yeah. He's saying that we should act uh, in the way we ought to, right? So, for example, you said you should do business, you should do business. So, I find it 
difficult to understand what, uh, what are we ought to do and what is actually desires or something that we want. Uh, an example, um, mm-hmm. if you're a father or mm-hmm. you're, you're supposed to provide for your family or provide for your children, but there are different levels that you can provide for, right? Sending your kids to a school or a private school or a grammar school, for example, has different implications. Um, but you ought to provide education for your children, right? Um, yeah. But they all come at different cost levels. But then that entangles you back into this world, right? Because if you, for example, want to send your kids to private school, it means you've then got to earn more, which means you then get more involved in in in, in this world, right? Yeah. So how so, do you tread that path? Okay. So it's not that difficult from what you've said, actually. Um, there's just uh, you just need a bit of clarity. Yeah. First of all, you have vastness. You had vastness to get married. You've got married. You have vastness for children. You'll have children. Yes. Now, once you've had children, you have an obligation to them. You have a duty to them. Yeah. And you would do the best you can for them given the best education you can afford, whatever their requirements are, you will fulfill them until they're able to do, that, do it for themselves. So that's your obligation. That is, that is what you have created. Yeah. If, for example, at, before you got married, you had this knowledge, you might have decided not to have any of those entanglements. You may have decided, I don't want to get married, I don't want to have children, I just want to seek the self and become self-realized. And that would be your goal. Yeah. But because you have created this, um, you have a duty to that. But while you're fulfilling those, and yes, it does take you away from the goal, which you will now set. You may now, after this class, say, okay, that's my goal, self-realization. Yeah. You still have an obligation and duty to your partner, your children, your colleagues, your family, etc. You have to fulfill those. Yeah, those are your obligatory duties, which you have created. So you can't become selfish. Yeah. So you have to decide what's my duty yeah, and fulfill them. Now, at the same time, you providing for your children is your duty. You will do the best you can for them. They're part of you. And you may have to work harder, but at the same time, you can work harder, act based on this, not the fruits, not be interested in the fruits, yeah? The results, you're putting 100% into the action. The goal is an unselfish goal of providing for your family. But in the back of your mind, my goal is to reach the self. Yeah. Is that okay? Cool. It all comes back down to the intention that you have. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So my duties, once they're fulfilled, I will reach, I will strive to reach that goal. Your children have left. They're fulfilling their own own lives now. They don't need mom and dad anymore. You're free. Yeah. Because, I mean... uh... I think it's like sort of this this kind of this type of question has been bugging me for a while because after attending this class, it's like, do you then strive for better quality of life? Uh, because then obviously that has those implications, right? But yeah. the intention is what counts behind. Yes. Yes. 
Absolutely. You know, if you want a bigger house, go for it. But what are your intentions? It doesn't matter. You understand that I'm this limited personality living in this imaginary world. If you understand that, then your, your goals will shift. But until you understand that, you'll be entangled in the world. And the more, more knowledge you receive, the less entanglement there will be. But you will still be fulfilling your obligations. Thank you. You're welcome. Any other questions? So it's all down to the individual person, where they are in what stage of life they are, as to what you will strive for. Some people will be content with just coming to one class a week, not doing any studying, and they're, they're content and happy, and there's nothing wrong with that. Some people will say, wow, I need to know more about this, and will dwell, you know, they'll jump into the study of this subject and, and strive to say, I want to make these changes in my life. And they'll put in more effort. It all depends on your desires, your vastness. No, neither anyone is right or wrong. It's like a well full of water. Every person has their requirements. They will take the amount of water they need. Same with this subject. Any other questions? So this is how you must act in order to reduce your desires. Perfect action. So now, verse 51. Karmajam buddhi yukta hi Halam tyakva manishinaha Janma bandha vinir muktaha Padam gachantya namayam Karmajam buddhi yukta hi Halam tyakva manishinaha Janma bandha vinir muktaha the wise united to knowledge renouncing the fruit of action liberated from the bond of birth indeed reached the state beyond evil so what does that mean so knowledge here, the wise united to knowledge means knowledge of the self. Wise, who's the wise person who understands that this knowledge of the self is important? Renounce the fruit of action. The fruit of action here is all the things we look for in the world. We want an education for us or for our children. We want a job, a partner, children. It's never ending. It'll continue. Then a whole life we're just searching for name, fame, power, wealth. You boil down any action, any, any desire, it boils down to name, fame, power, wealth. Now, he does not saying that we should not get these things. You can't just sit at home as a hermit. We need these things in life for our survival. 
But what it means is that we should not be dependent on these things for our happiness. That's what it means. We shouldn't be dependent. If I get this, if I get a good partner, I'll be happy. If I get this job, I'll be happy. Everything is always changing in the world. And we have no control over that change. How do we know what we, a desire, we fulfill this desire, we'll be happy when things are changing all the time. You marry a lovely partner. A person can change anytime. We don't know. We have no control over it. Another thing, the fact we are all born, guaranteed we all die. We don't know when, we don't know how, but it's a fact. Our loved ones will all eventually die. Sooner or later. Diseases come and go. We have no control over it. How many people died just in the last two years with COVID? Unhealthy and the healthy. Doesn't discriminate. No matter how famous, how much wealth, power they had, it, it didn't matter, did it? It didn't mean anything. Imagine how much effort they must have put in to get to that stage in life. There were millionaires who died. Famous people that died. How much aspirations, expectations they may have had about the future of their lives. When I get to this stage, I will do this. Everyone would have had some aspirations. Where's all that gone? So we have very limited control over things in life. This is the point we're trying to make. But we keep making goals, thinking we will live forever. Why do you think, why, does, why is it, this, isn't, this is something that just came to me now, why is it that we think we're going to live forever? No one here thinks they're going to die. Why is it that you think we're going to live forever? Any idea? We all feel that, don't we? Any idea? Our inherent nature of, you know, we're part of the Atman, so the Atman knows it's, 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 it's there, it's, it's, you know, it's there for eternity. Yeah, very good. Anybody else? You're right, Ravi. Anyone else? See, you are the self. You are Brahman, you are God, you're divinity. And that's permanent, it never dies. But you don't know that. But deep inside... Something tells you that I'm immortal. You don't know what it is. And that's why you don't feel that death is going to come to me. Because there is some link to the self, your real nature. That's why you feel that. You don't, under, you don't realize it, but that's why you feel that. So we make goals thinking we will live forever. And we don't know if we're going to get there. So there's a saying. I kept complaining I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. I think this puts everything into perspective. This is our life. I, met a, I kept complaining I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. 
So we should have goals. We should strive to reach that goal, but we have to understand that it may not be in our capacity to reach that goal. Mind can want anything. So always be happy where you are and strive for more. Never base your happiness on future acquisitions. Then you'll be permanently happy all the time. As you understand this knowledge, you understand what is permanent and what is impermanent. Nitya anitya in Sanskrit. Nitya means permanent, eternal. The self is permanent, eternal. Anitya means impermanent, unreal. Everything in this world is anitya, impermanent. Everything in the world keeps changing. Anything changing cannot be permanent. So all impermanent things we hang on into life, in life, and whatever is permanent, we leave. This is our life. We hang on to everything that's impermanent. This is what all of us are doing in this world. Knowledge of self is permanent, eternal. Knowledge of the world is impermanent, unreal. Any questions? So evaluate your life. This is what we're saying. Think back. Think about your life, armed with this knowledge. So you may be highly educated. You have a PhD. You may even be a professor highly regarded in society, but your knowledge is restricted to that. You have no idea, no knowledge why we are here, no knowledge of where we came from, where we're going after this life, no understanding of the goal and purpose of life. Even though you're a professor, you have none of those answers. This professorship, PhD is part of the world, limited, impermanent. Because it's always changing. You all with me? Yeah. So the knowledge of the self does not change. It has been around for thousands of years. Knowledge, this knowledge answers all your questions regarding the purpose of life and how to fulfill this purpose. What are we all looking for? What are we all looking for in life? Before these classes, you're looking for one thing. But with these lessons, classes of the Gita, Krishna's teaching, your focus changes. You're no longer interested. You see things for what they are, the value of things for what they are. Not only material things, even relationships. What is the value of this relationship? You see the real value of it. It says, liberated from the bond of birth. Once again, what is the bond of birth? Anyone? What is the bond of birth? 
Dermis? The cycle of birth and death. But what keeps you in that cycle? Not knowing the self. Not knowing the self. And, no, and, and instead of not knowing the self, what do you know? Vinita? <laughs> Unhappiness. Unhappiness, okay. One word. One word. What keeps you in the world? Our desires. Vasnas. Vasnas. Liberated from the bond of birth, indeed, reach the state beyond evil. So here in this verse, bond of birth is what keeps you in that, as Dharma said, birth and birth and death, the cycle of birth and death. The vasanas keeps you there. It's your vasanas that keeps you to the world. So when you reach self-realization or you strive to reach that goal by reducing your vasanas, you're slowly liberated from the bond of birth. So we all take birth as a human being because of our vasanas. And these vasanas keeps us in the world continuously because we continue to develop more vasanas. Your vasanas when you were young were different from your vasanas now. They've developed and they're keeping you in the world. We keep developing more and more vasanas. When you have no vasanas, you're liberated from the world. Reach the state of self-realization. So vasanas here are referred to the bond of birth. Like glue keeps you in the world. Super glue. Some people is super glue. Some people is less, less uh, strong. So when you exhaust all your vasanas, you're free from that glue. You're free from the cycle of birth and death. It says, you reach the state beyond evil. Evil is vasanas. Vasanas are evil because they take you away from the self, the reality. We're really breaking down what vasanas are today in this. But this is what exactly what it's saying. Karma Yoga. So it says, the wise united to knowledge, the wise person with this knowledge chooses the path of action that takes them to the self. And all actions are directed to this goal. Any questions? Does everyone understand why you should not increase your vastness? You're just increasing that glue, the strength of that glue to the world. See, if, if by fulfilling your desires, your vastness, you're content and happy, that's fine. But we're not. If I'm honest with you, it's for me, it's with this knowledge that brought me contentment. Then you live in the world armed with this knowledge, you find peace, happiness, and contentment. 
no matter what vastness you have, because you understand the, uh, the futility of it. If I get it, fine. If I don't get it, it doesn't matter. And this is how you need to approach life. Until then, people who don't have this knowledge, they're in that whirlwind until they die. Even a person on his deathbed, they'll be saying, oh, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. Still, vasanas, desires. Any questions? These are very deep verses. You'll have to read them and uh, study them a bit. Kevin, is that okay? Great. Okay. Um, Anita. The preceding verses indicate two paths for humanity to choose in life. The path of yoga, which unites one to the Supreme Self, and the path of the world, which stains one with good and bad vasanas personality impressions. The wise choose the path leading to the self. They set their mind, minds on the ultimate goal of self-realization. They oblate to all actions to this fixed goal. Their interests and actions lie on, the, on that supreme state rather than the immediate benefits of their actions. Thus, renouncing the fruits of their endeavors. endeavors sorry. They act without ego and egocentric desires until they reach the exalted state of immortality. The state of liberation from the bondage of birth and death, the fourth state of self-realization beyond the realms of waking, dream and deep sleep. This final state transcends, transcends all evil. Evil refers to vasanas. Vasanas constitute one's inherent nature. They form the seed of one's personality, creating the individuality. When vastness are exhausted, the individuality merges from the totality. Just as river merges with the ocean, the individual regains its infinite being. Since vastness are responsible for such, for reducing the infinite reality to an infinite being, they are said to be evil. Vastness create and sustain the individual. They form the casual body, which, sorry, the causal body, which is the seed of the individual. The causal body manifests the, manifests the subtle body, consisting of thoughts and desires. The subtle body in turn determines the gross body and the environment for the fulfillment of the desires, which the gross body and the, and the environment become inadequate for their fulfillment. The subtle body takes a new gross body suitable for the purpose. The transference of the subtle body from one gross body to another spells the death of the previous body and the birth of the new one. But when the vastness are exhausted and the desires extinct, extinct, the individual gains total liberation from the cycle of birth and death. Thank you. I'm going to explain what that means. So, vasanas create and sustain the individual. You are alive because of your vasanas. 
Vasanas are referred to causal body. Why? Because they're the cause of your body. They're the cause of your personality. You are what your vasanas are. So the vasanas is causal body. Then the vasanas manifest a subtle body. What is the subtle body? We've been through this before, but I'll go through it again. What is the subtle body? Subtle body consists of thoughts and desires. So vasanas manifest as thoughts and desires. That is your subtle body. Then the subtle body in turn determines the gross body, which is your physical body. It creates the environment for you to fulfill your desires. And when the gross body, the physical body, can no longer fulfill your desires, you die. The death of the gross body. And the subtle body, the mind and intellect, takes a new gross body suitable for the purpose. And this transference of the subtle body from one gross body to another spells the death of the previous body and birth of the new one. This is called reincarnation. Does everyone understand that? Subtle body is your vasanas, sorry, um, causal body is your vasanas, the cause of your personality. This manifests as, this manifests as thoughts and desires in the mind and intellect, which is the subtle body, which then the gross body acts upon. And when your physical body becomes old, diseased, can't fulfill any more desires, the body, um, the subtle body, mind and intellect moves to a new body to continue to fulfill desires. As said, even on your deathbed, people are saying, oh, I wish I'd done this, wish I'd done that. When that body dies, all those desires are moved into the new body. When no desires, when no desires left, you become one with the totality. No more birth and death. You have no vasanas. Why would you take a new birth? There's nothing to propel you for a new birth. You become one with the totality, one with the self, Brahman. Any questions? Is that, did everyone understand that? We've been through it before. So until then, you have to go through the cycle of birth and death. Well, some of you have studied this with me, Bajagovindam. There's a verse in there which reads, Punarapi jananam, punarapi maranam, punarapi janati jatare sayanam, iha samsar bahudustare, kripaya pare pahimurare. Repeated birth, repeated death, repeated line in mother's womb. This samsar, terrestrial entanglement, is unending.
It's difficult to cross over, O Murari, save through your grace, meaning God's grace. Because of God's grace, you are gaining the knowledge of the self, which allows you to take you out of this samsara. And it's with God's grace that you're able to do this. And that's why desires are referred to evil in all religions. In all religions, desires are referred to as evil. In Islam, it's Satan. In, in Christianity, is the devil. Any questions? Yeah, Venita. So, if you have only a few desires, yeah, could you die earlier in your life than have to go through the whole dying old, or is it just the fact that that desire is fulfilled earlier in your life because the environment's correct and that's it? So you could have lots of desires, but you fulfill the ones that are more important. See, it depends on your stance. You're, you are here right now because of your vasana for this knowledge. What other vasanas you have, you don't know. What vasanas are kept within, you have no idea. When they will surface, you have no idea. Unmanifest vasanas, unmanifest desires, they're not manifested yet. But following these four verses, you can eliminate all your vasanas, even the unmanifested ones. Total, total vasanas you can eliminate. Not only the ones that have come up in this lifetime, total. So your past ones are eliminated so they don't- Past ones are already eliminated. But they don't affect your future ones. Even the future ones are all eliminated. No more vasanas. If you follow this path. Yes. This is what it's saying. Doing what you ought to do without increasing your desires, good or bad, eventually you will eliminate all your desires, whatever amount you have. But the problem is we're always adding to it. So it's never ending. This is the problem. So this actively you're reducing your desires. So if you've got... 100,000 desires, vasanas left. You're now chopping away at those without adding any more. How many we have, we don't know. But you know you're cutting them down now because you're actively putting in effort. Is that right, Winter? Yeah, it's like being dealt the shortest straw by being born. <laughs> but I didn't understand that. So it's like picking the shortest straw by having a rebirth each time, isn't it? Because it's like you're in a in a web of fastness that yeah it, yeah, so. but you didn't realize that until no. <laughs> knowledge. You see, so before you were in ignorance, yeah. Now you understand, and now you understand, you can do something about it. While you're in ignorance, there's nothing you can do. You're continuing in that web. Now you know the way out of the web. 
Yeah, but the web, the way out is the hardest part. <laughs> Eventually, we'll get there. Eventually, we'll get there. See, you've got guidance. It's not they're saying, okay, you're in a web, get out. It's telling you how to get out. It's giving you the direction. Follow this way. And eventually you'll get out. So it's saying you must have had some good vasanas for you to be here to learn this. Most people don't get that opportunity. See? That's why I always say that, you know, you guys don't realize how lucky you are. I always mention it. You're at home in your Jimmy Jammies listening to this subject. <laughs> Even when I, when we were studying, Sunday morning, um, we live just outside London. 10.30, we travel to St. John's Wood. We have our class, okay, every Sunday morning, and then we finish. Okay, so we have to put that effort in to go to study this subject. Get in our cars, get ready, go. So you have to put in effort. Because of my bad vasanas, I have to do all that. You guys, sitting on your sofa, more fortunate than I am. You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So you should, you know, you've done some good deeds in order to have this at your home. You know, pressing a button. So, you know, just uh, remember that. Okay. We'll leave uh, the next two verses because I don't want to do it quickly. Yeah. And we're going to have to recap on these two because these four verses are really important and that you understand it. Because um, verse 53 actually explains how to get to self-realization. You've done everything. And it takes you step by step what you need to do exactly. And anyone can follow it. How to reach that state. It, it teaches you. Some of you can read it before we have the book. You can read about it. So what is left? Just putting in effort. Krishna is holding your hand all the way. Just as he's holding Arjuna's hand all the way. He just has to put in the effort, isn't it? Arjuna, just like us. Okay. Any other questions? So think about it. Contemplate on it. Put it into perspective based on your life. So you'll have a deeper understanding. So um, unfortunately, next week I have an engagement and I can't take class next week, not even at 10 o'clock. I could be forced to take one at seven o'clock, but I don't want to put you all through that. <laughs> um, I'm happy, but I don't think most of you will be Happy. So we won't have a class next week, um, but we'll have group discussion this Tuesday. 
Apologies for cancelling last week. I, I think I went to bed at eight o'clock that day. I was just absolutely exhausted. Um, so we will have group discussion this Tuesday. And what I suggest is uh, next Sunday at the same time, um, listen to this class again. So that will give you the foundation for what's to follow. Yeah. Listen to the class again next Sunday. So you'll get, you know, it'll just make you more steadfast into this subject. So, okay. Any other last minute questions before we? All right, great. Have a lovely day and I'll see you in a couple of weeks.